Well, what a ton we have to get into. I'm Pete Mundo. We are Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of HeartlandCollegeSports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. And I appreciate you joining us and being a part of the show, however you're consuming it. And if you are consuming it on the podcast, do us a favor. Leave us a rating, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Appreciate you doing that. Spread the word. A lot of you guys have reached out to me lately saying you're doing that. I am very grateful for it. Uh, The podcast has really grown enormously because of you. And if you do leave that rating and review um, on iTunes or whatever you get your podcasts, send me a screenshot to Pete Mundo, M-U-N-D-O, at heartlandcollegesports.com, and I'll get you a free Heartland College Sports Koozie in the mail. I'm actually about to order more today because uh, we're running low with all these things we're sending out. So appreciate that, guys. And by the way, I'll be in Ames this weekend for TCU-Iowa State. If you're going to be up there, TCU or Iowa State fan, hit me up. Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. So good stuff all around. Appreciate it, guys. So before we get into some Big 12 stuff, uh, huge news this week in college sports. And let's talk about how this is going to affect uh, the Big 12 Conference moving forward and what impact it might have on college athletics in general. So I'm sure you've seen it by now. If not, California did pass the Fair Pay-to-Play Act. If you want to know what that means, basically the new law allows college athletes to earn compensation based on their name, image, and likeness. This law would not go into effect until January 2023. So what happened, by the way, and this is something that we all should have predicted was going to happen, Florida has proposed a bill that would allow student-athletes to monetarily benefit from their name, image, and likeness starting in 2020. It is now an arms race to see which state can pass the most pro-college-athlete-friendly bill to help their recruiting. That's what this is. This is a recruiting chip. Now, the Pac-12 is having a lot of trouble right now, right? I mean, you have a lot of issues there for the Pac-12. TV network's a disaster. You have a part of the country that is far more outdoorsy and interested in other things outside of sports. They're not sitting there in you know the upper Midwest like Big Ten fans are, uh, struggling through another winter. Big 12 fans live and breathe it in places like Oklahoma, Texas, and Kansas. So it's just it's a different beast in the Pac-12 for worse, unfortunately, for them. And then on top of that, you know, their biggest media market, L.A., has become an NFL town with the Rams and the Chargers. So a lot of things are working against the Pac-12. I don't know how much this had to do with that, but this could save the Pac-12 in many ways if nobody else joins this train, although I imagine many people will. Because think about this. You're a kid. You're in Dallas-Fort Worth area. You're a five-star recruit. You're down to Texas and USC. USC says, hey, you come out here. I mean, we got car dealers that'll give you a hundred grand to put your name on a billboard. And then you got Tom Herman down in Austin saying, hey, we're Texas. We're the flagship school. And uh, yeah, come play for us. Can you give me a hundred G's? Put my name on a billboard? No, we can't do that. That's illegal. Oh, you know what? I'll go to USC. I mean, that's the conversation that kids are going to be having in 2023. Now, I imagine a lot is going to change. In the next uh, couple of years with now California passing this fair pay to play act. But that's the scenario that now can be envisioned. The other scenario that can be envisioned is, let's say, let's use the De'Eric King situation at Houston. Quarterback down there who decided he's going to sit out this year. 
uh, after four games. So he keeps his red shirt. He claims he's coming back to Houston next year under Dana Holgerson. I'll uh, I'll believe it when I see it. I'll leave it at that. I'll believe it when I see it that De'Ara King's going to be quarterback in the Cougars next season. But let's say De'Ara King, you know, he knows he can play a little ball. He feels like he's a power five quarterback. Maybe he's like, hey, Cal's looking for a guy. UCLA's looking for a guy. I can transfer there. People know who I am. Maybe I can get a deal on the side um, using my image and likeness. Maybe it's not a hundred grand like some stud five star guy, but hey, I might be able to pull in twenty, thirty grand. And and I don't know what his family situation is, but that's irrelevant in this case. The point is, he may decide to do that if these new laws were in place and implemented. What this is is a huge, huge recruiting boon for the state of California. But don't kid yourself. A lot's going to happen in the next uh, several months and years to change this. Now, Bob Bowlesby is not happy. Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby released a statement to the Fort Worth Star-Telegram saying, quote, This bill creates great instability for the intercollegiate athletics programs at the universities in California. The schools in our conference and those throughout the United States seek national recruiting and national competitive environment that can be accomplished with fair and uniform rules and policies. The passage of SB 206 will negatively impact the universities in California and will undermine the unique American collegiate model that has been an enormous source of opportunity for millions of young student-athletes and many millions of fans. That's from Big 12 Commissioner Bob Bowlesby. Now, he's right about one thing. The NCAA is going to be blown up. The NCAA will be non-existent if this happens. The NCAA which makes its money and its bread and butter off the NCAA tournament. Remember, the NCAA is not overly involved in what happens in the college football playoff and the bowl games. They have no say in any of that. But the NCAA will cease to exist if this continues down the path that it's on. Now, there's also Title IX concerns here, right? I mean, there, there are massive Title IX issues that have to be addressed because part of Title IX was that no person in the U.S. shall, on the basis of sex, be excluded from participation in, be denied the benefits of, or be subjected to discrimination under any education program or activity receiving federal financial assistance. What did this mean for sports? This meant, hey, you had to give out, for every great football player and basketball player, you had to give out a women's water polo scholarship. That is part of how this works. And now, what's going to happen here with the image and likeness? Uh, you know, what if you're a star swimmer? Are there going to be lawsuits here for star swimmers, male or female, who are like, hey, you know, these guys in the football team are making tens of thousands of dollars off their image and likeness. I'm not getting any. Is that a Title IX violation? Now, in theory, that's a capitalistic issue, and that's somebody who is profiting off of what they are worth in the marketplace. And the reality is, Football and basketball are worth more in the marketplace than is swimming or track. It's a sad reality. I say that as a former track guy, by the way. I'm not knocking track. It's just like that's that's the reality of the situation. So this really opens up Pandora's box. And for the Big 12, I think you take right now a wait-and-see approach. Because California says 2023. Now Florida, they proposed a bill for 2020. Proposing a bill does not mean passing a bill. I do politics uh, and news by day here in Kansas City. 
And just because somebody has proposed a bill does not mean it's going to pass like what happened in California. Now, it could very well pass. That state of Florida loves, loves it some college football. I'll tell you that right now. I mean, you know, you know college football, you know that. But then what does the state of Texas do? Oklahoma, Kansas, Iowa, West Virginia. Do you make it a federal deal? You know, do, I mean, the guys in Congress and gals in Congress can't get a damn thing done, but maybe this unites people. Hey, let college athletes make money off their image and likeness. Let them roll. I mean, that's the easiest way to fix this off the bat. But then what if a state legislation then takes it to the next level and says, forget the fact that you can benefit off your image and likeness. How about this? If you're a five-star recruit and you want to come to USC, We'll pay you twenty five grand a year. Sound ludicrous? It, fine. But what if a state legislature and a governor signed off on that? And USC is now allowed to pay up to $25,000 to a player per semester if he's at least, I don't know, whatever, a four-star guy. Now, do I think that's going to happen? No. But you see what I'm saying about a slippery slope that could be developing in the college sports world. Now, if you're a Kansas fan and you're Bill Self, you're like, hey, we're just ahead of the curve here. That's all we're doing, right? That's it. We're just ahead of the curve. (laughs) Don't punish us. We're just doing what's going to be happening here no matter what. Uh, But here is Mark Cuban. Mark Cuban, obviously, owner of the Mavericks, uh, Shark Tank, brilliant guy. He was on Fox Business with Neil Cavuto. Listen to what Mark Cuban had to say about this. It may implode, particularly as it applies to football. I think you may see third parties come in with a lot of money and say, you know what, just this is about the cash now. You need to focus on yourself as a school and your economics as an athletic department. Let us invest in you. Extract yourself from the NCAA. We'll partner with you know X number of other schools and we'll create our own organization and we'll create our own economics and you'll get to make more money because now it's about the money. We're going to be brutally honest about it. You're going to pay your athletes. You deserve to uh, focus on this as a true business. The NCAA doesn't allow them to run it as a true business. And like I said earlier, the interests of the NCAA as an organization are not fully aligned with the economic interests of the schools or the economic interests of the players that those are now part of the equation. And if the NCAA does implode, you will have major ramifications to the rest of college athletics. All the non-revenue sports could eventually end up getting crushed by this. So Mark Cuban is a very, very bright man. I have a lot of respect for him, and I thought he made a great point there on Fox Business Network this week. Uh, This is going to have ramifications in areas and parts of college sports that I haven't even thought of. I've tried to think of every angle I can as of this week and as of right now, but there are so many indirect implications this will have. We'll be feeling it for a very long time in college sports. Um, it's, it's fascinating to me. I am pro college athlete, but I also see that this is a very, very slippery slope that is not going to be as easy as some people make it out to be. It's not. Because of Title IX and many other issues, it is not going to be as easy as some people are making it out to be. So keep tabs on this. I'm telling you right now, keep tabs on this. And if the NCAA goes away, what happens to March Madness? Because that's where they make all their money. They make all their money once a year in March Madness, and that funds everything else they do for college sports. If the NCAA gets blown up, who's filling that void? Somebody's going to have to. Somebody's going to have to. 
So we had to touch on this breaking news, but I'm Pete Mundo. We are Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. Coming up, let's get into some uh, some Big 12 chatter, specifically football, specifically related to this week, what's going on with these teams. That's next, Heartland College Sports Weekly. Hey guys, it's Pete Mundo, and as we get going with conference play here in the Big 12, we're going to be placing all our bets with mybookie.ag, and I hope you will as well. I wouldn't be telling you guys to bet with them if they weren't the absolute best. They've got the latest lines for the Big 12, and you can even continue to bet as the game goes on with in-game live betting. That's pretty cool. I'm going to be trying it this season. So if you join my bookie now, you'll double your first deposit with the promo code BIG12. That's BIG12 to activate the offer at mybookie.ag. You can't beat it. They'll double that first deposit with a minimum deposit of $45, maximum deposit of $1,000. And you can try that parlay. I always give it a shot. Got to be honest, doesn't end up too well. But it's fun, and that's what this is about. So check it out, mybookie.ag, promo code BIG12, that's BIG12, for a 100% sign-up bonus, mybookie.ag. You play, you win, you get paid. Well, Matt Rule has got himself that contract extension. I'm Pete Mundo. We are Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com. Appreciate you joining us here on the show. So Matt Rule got a big deal. Uh, well, I shouldn't say that. He got a long deal. We haven't seen uh, the monetary numbers on this because Baylor doesn't have to release those numbers as a private school. So they find themselves in a situation where they can be like, listen, we're not telling you, don't have to do it. And uh, it seems like that's the route that they're taking. But we know this. It goes through the 2027 season. University had this announcement on uh, on Sunday afternoon, and I'll tell you what, it's it's a it's a no brainer for Baylor. I don't know what this means for Matt Rule staying in Waco. I mean, he's had two off seasons as the Bears head coach, and each off season there has been discussions about him doing other interviews or connected other jobs. He met with the Colts in January of eighteen. He interviewed with the Jets this past off season. We know he's got the NFL itch, all right? I mean, we just know that that's there for Matt Rule. I would like to think that, you know, you sign a contract extension and it means you might have more loyalty, and Rule has certainly said all the right things, um, and he does seem to genuinely enjoy Waco. But, I, I mean, if the guy wins 10 games this season and he's got an NFL team clamoring for him once again. It's, it's, it's weird because he only worked in the NFL for one season, but he's got a lot of connections there in that league. You know, what's going to stop him at this point, right? I know he's got a big buyout, but is an NFL team not going to hire him because of a big buyout? I mean, NFL teams, they're, they're swimming in money right now. I mean, they are swimming in cash. And if Cliff Kingsbury kind of works out at uh, Arizona with the Cardinals, then that may even intrigue more teams to pick college coaches off. The other gig, of course, that could be of interest, Penn State. He's a Penn State guy, played linebacker there. If James Franklin goes to USC, which has been rumored, that may be of interest as well. Um, East Coast guy, Penn State guy. I'm just saying, I, I hope he's at Baylor for a really long time. Uh, you could not have asked for a better hire 
to piggyback off of the debacle that was the Baylor football program just a couple of short years ago than Matt Rule. I mean, he was a home run hire by Mac Rhodes, could not have done a better job just changing everything that this program needed to do and how it needed to go about its business. But I'm I'm still concerned that it may not be for the long haul. But I hope I'm wrong. I, I hope I'm proven wrong. And by the way, I got a lot of flack from Baylor fans after the Iowa State win saying, oh, you know, you had us at the bottom of the Big 12. I did not think that Baylor was going to finish last place in the Big 12. But in my power rankings, I had Baylor last because they played nobody. And I did not know what they were. This week, I moved them up to fourth. That's the beauty of power rankings. It was not a prediction on where I thought they were going to finish. But it was, here's who I've seen them play, and they played nobody. That's what it was about. And 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 that's not a knock on Baylor. They played nobody. You know, I get part of that was scheduled by the previous administration. There's nothing that Matt Rule or Mac Rhodes can do about that right now. I mean, you can't change your schedule a year before you're going to play it in college football. You can't do it. But it was what it was, and the schedule was not good. They go out there, they beat a solid Iowa State team, and I move them up, way up. So, you know, it was never an anti-Baylor thing, all right? It was just like, hey, guys, got to see you play somebody before I, uh, before I go any further. I just got to do that. All right, there's also been some discussion across the Big 12 about kickoff times. So Big 12 schedule has no primetime game this weekend, and people are, you know, once again, no love for the Big 12. What's that all about? Why is that happening? Uh, we've got a couple of 11 a.m. Central time kickoffs and then three or three 11 a.m. kickoffs, and then we've got two 2.30 kickoffs this week. Next week, similar deal, uh, no primetime game. Now, there's only three Big 12 games next week. you got OU in Texas, Texas Tech at Baylor, Iowa State at West Virginia. I'm not going nuts over this. I'm, I'm just I'm not going to go nuts over this right now. Um, I always want to see the Big 12 in primetime. No doubt in my mind. I think the Big 12 deserves more primetime action than it gets, but I'm not going to go crazy over it. OU Texas is always going to be 11 a.m. I mean, it works for the State Fair. Uh, They think that's the safest way and safest time to play that game, and it gives one of the big networks, Fox or ESPN, a primetime 11 a.m. or noon, noon Eastern kick. It works for the TV networks. They like it, and it's not going to change. So OU Texas, obviously worthy of a primetime slot, but it is unique in the sense of the history behind it and when they want to play it and when it's going to happen. So it's 11 a.m. That's not going to change. To me, that's not a slight of the Big 12. But when you look at the schedule this week, I mean, find me the primetime kickoff. You want to say Baylor K-State may be worthy of primetime? I guess. I mean, if you want to put it on ESPNU, maybe. FS1, maybe. TCU, Iowa State. Uh, you know, TCU was in the top 25 at one point this season. So was Iowa State. But both teams, you know, have had their bumps in the road this fall. Maybe. But there, there's just not that game that you're looking at and saying to yourself, this is a primetime matchup. OU Texas would be primetime if it wasn't unique with the state fair and everything else going on there. You only got three games next weekend. Iowa State, West Virginia is not prime time. Uh, Texas Tech, Baylor is not prime time. Now, as you look ahead in the schedule, let's go a couple weeks ahead here. A game that, you know, I would argue should be prime time. If Baylor wins this week against K-State and then beats Texas Tech, they should be in the top 25. Oklahoma State 
is playing Texas Tech this weekend. They're off next weekend. They should stay in the top 25 if they win this weekend in Lubbock. Then you've got a top 25 matchup right there between Baylor and Oklahoma State. Is that um, big ABC or big Fox primetime? No. Should it be FS1 primetime? Should it be uh, ESPN2 primetime? Yeah, I think it should be. I, I think it's more than worthy of that. So let's see how the schedule shake out in the second half of this month before we go nuts over the bias of the networks here in not putting the Big 12 in prime time. Let's just hold our horses and um, and see what happens from here on out. I'll get there. Trust me. I'll get on the networks. If you've been listening to this show for a couple of years, I will jump on the networks. But I'm not going to go crazy just yet. I'm not going to go crazy just yet. Now, a couple questions I want to hit on that I got on Twitter. And by the way, if you want uh, any of your mailbag questions included in the podcast, just uh, drop me an email. It's Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com or hit me up on Twitter at Pete Mundo. That's my personal account or at heartland underscore CS to uh, reach us there. A couple questions I'll answer for you here before the segment wraps up. Uh, Pete, what should we think about K-State? They looked impressive beating bad teams but looked very poor uh, this past weekend. Their win against Mississippi State also doesn't look as good. They got mauled by Auburn over the weekend. I think Kansas State can be bowl eligible. I think on the high end, they're a seven-win team. On the low end, they're a five-win team. I think it's a pretty narrow window for what Kansas State is going to be this year. And you know whether or not they win five or seven will depend on how those games go on the early end. Kansas State's got to be a team that – does not get down 10 to 14 points because they cannot come back from 10 to 14 point deficits. I don't think this team can do it. It's not built to do that. So they have got to be able to hang in games or try to build early leads and then work their magic that way with a methodical run game or at least led by a methodical run game because that has worked for them early in the season. That will have to continue to work for them for them to have that type of success moving forward. Also, what would be considered a successful season for Iowa State? Well, they're 2-2 two and two right now, eight games to play. Uh, for Iowa State, at this point, 8-4, and four, successful. That would be giving them wins over TCU this weekend, West Virginia, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State, Kansas, and Kansas State, and losing to Oklahoma and Texas. Now, they could maybe pull off an upset against OU or Texas, but I'm giving them a win in every other game, uh, and that's tough. That's going to be tough. I mean, TCU, Oklahoma State, and K-State are not going to be easy for the Cyclones. So uh, if they get to eight wins, that's that's going to be a successful year. It's going to be a very successful year based on where they are right now at 2-2. Two and two. Pete Mundo, Heartland College Sports Weekly coming up. We preview week six. It's next, Heartland College Sports Weekly. Well, it's time for week six in the Big 12 Conference, and let's get right to it with some previews and, yes, some picks and predictions. I'm Pete Mundo. We are Heartland College Sports Weekly, part of heartlandcollegesports.com, your independent Big 12 digital media outlet. We will go in order of games this weekend, and let's start off with none other than Oklahoma State on the road taking on Texas Tech. For the lines, I'm using mybookie.ag. And the promo code BIG12 gets you a 100% sign-up bonus. Okay, Oklahoma State is 5-0 against the spread this year. 4-1 against the spread on the road in their past five games. Meantime, Texas Tech won 5-1 in their last seven games against the spread. In this game, for Oklahoma State, 
you have the number nine rushing offense in the country against the 86th ranked rushing defense. Now you might say, hey, Texas Tech, the 12th ranked passing offense in the country against the 82nd ranked passing defense. That's overstated. And the reason it's overstated is because Texas Tech was at one time a top 10 passing offense when they had a guy named Alan Bowman at quarterback. Now they've got Jet Duffy at quarterback. And Duffy, you know, he looked okay last week against OU. He had a couple of decent moments. But let's not kid ourselves here. This guy is not going to be lighting it up through the air like Alan Bowman did. And Oklahoma State starting to look better on defense. They had a stretch there, 16 drives between the Texas and uh, K-State game where they allowed a total of six points. So Oklahoma State is um, being undervalued this season. That is proven in their 5-0 record against the spread this year. And the road does not seem to bother them as of late under Mike Gundy. So Texas Tech has a lot to figure out. Defense was disappointing last week against Oklahoma. You're coming off that brutal loss. And I think some of the wind has been sucked out of the Texas Tech sales, so to speak, especially with the Bowman injury. So give me Oklahoma State minus the 10 points against Texas Tech if you can get it at that number. Then we've got the game that I am going to be at this weekend. That's TCU and Iowa State. I'm going to be in Ames. Hit me up. It's uh, Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. Drop me an email. I'll be stopping by a few tailgates there uh, before the game. Also got a couple meetings going on. So reach out if you're going to be up there in Ames as a TCU fan or an Iowa State fan. I look forward to seeing a lot of you guys up there. I'll have some, uh, I'll have some Heartland College Sports koozies with me. All right, this game, uh, good chance of rain, winds 15 to 20 miles an hour. What does that mean? That means you got to run the ball. Which of these teams can run the ball? TCU can run the ball. They've got the 14th ranked rushing offense in America right now. Darius Anderson, Shewo Lanalua. Uh, going up against the 47th-ranked rushing defense. Now, Iowa State's rushing defense is very good. I'm not taking anything away from them. Um, quite up the snuff of last year. I'm not sure it's there, but it's good. But on the flip side, Iowa State can't run the ball. Uh, you, you got a quarterback who is not a traditional dual-threat guy who leads your team in rushes. That cannot continue for Iowa State. Brock Purdy cannot lead this team in rushes anymore, but they don't have an obvious workhorse back there right now. And TCU's run D is almost top 10 in the country. So uh, right off the bat, with the weather, how it's going to be, TCU's got the edge on the ground. Max Duggan goes home, Iowa kid, um, of course the TCU quarterback. And it feels to me like the Cinderella-ness of Iowa State is starting to hurt them in Las Vegas. Iowa State is 2-7 and seven against the spread in their past nine games. And you think about this team, you know, 2017, obviously, that's the one that put this team on the map. And back-to-back eight-win seasons for Matt Campbell, people start betting Iowa State and, and you know, loving Campbell and love this program. And I do, too. I mean, I, I really like this program. I picked them to play in the Big 12 championship game, okay? And I'm going to own it. <laughs> I promise you I'm going to own it. But it seems to me like they're getting overbet and overplayed in Vegas. That's what that 2-7 and seven record against the spread in the past nine games tells me. This offensive line, by the way, has major concerns for Iowa State right now. We've noted that uh, throughout the last couple of weeks. 
and the TCU defensive line is the best defensive line. Uh, you want to say Iowa? Okay, fine. But TCU's defensive line is one of, if not the best in the Big 12. In the middle of Blacklock and uh, Bethley, I mean, that is a great one-two punch on that defensive line. And Iowa State is going to have its troubles with those two guys and everybody else on that front seven that Gary Patterson is going to be bringing at Brock Purdy. It just doesn't feel like it's all clicking right now for Iowa State. I know they're home. I understand they're coming off a tough loss uh, in Waco against the Bears. But between the weather, between how this game matches up for both sides, I am going to take TCU plus the three and a half. I, maybe I shouldn't be doing this since I'm going up to Ames this weekend. I love you, Iowa State fans, but you know TCU getting a field goal and half a point on top of that, I am going to go with the Horned Frogs in this game. Oklahoma and Kansas. All right, here's the deal. Um, I'm sick of getting burnt by both Kansas and Oklahoma. These are two teams that I've just been on the wrong side of so far this year. So now they play each other. So what am I going to do? I am going to take Oklahoma, and I'm going to like the Sooners in this game. And and here's why. Well, there's a couple reasons. First off, Kansas is struggling mightily with the loss of Khalil Herbert. That apparently really affected this locker room last week. The Kansas City Star reported this, that Khalil Herbert, their running back, more or less announced that he was going to stop playing for KU. He had played in four games, and he's going to redshirt and transfer. And if you read the Kansas City Star report that had a big effect on the locker room before last week's game, and I feel for that locker room. I, I really do. Uh, that's a big loss for that team from not just a player perspective, but a leadership perspective. On top of that, you look at this game and Drew Prox, who is one of the team's best defenders, he is questionable for this game on Saturday as well. Uh, and KU is one in four against the spread in the past five games. So I cannot in good faith roll with the Jayhawks in this one. I'm going to go Oklahoma minus 33 uh, because I, I've been wrong about OU the past couple of weeks. I haven't given them the credit they deserve, and I've been wrong on Candace on the other end. So I'm not going to get burnt by the Jayhawks anymore. It's not going to happen. So give me OU minus 33 in this one on the road in Lawrence. All right, uh, Baylor at K-State. This is interesting. The wise guys are with me here. How do I know that? The spread opened up at uh, K-State minus two. It has gone to K-State minus one, but more of the money is on the Wildcats. So if more of the money is in the Wildcats, the line should be moving in the other direction. The wise guys are with me here, and here's what's going on. Here's what I think is going on. Kansas State, all of a sudden, after the Oklahoma State loss and then even the Mississippi State loss to Auburn, they got smoked. That Mississippi State win for K-State not looking quite as good. Baylor right now leads the Big 12 in sacks. They had three last week in their win against Iowa State. Uh, they're pressuring the quarterback. That means Skylar Thompson, especially if this team is trailing at all, is going to have to make some magic happen. That's going to be difficult with his wide receiving corps, especially against a pretty solid secondary. This Baylor defense is underrated. Uh, this I was very impressed by the speed and the athleticism but also the hard-hitting nature of this Baylor defense last week, something that I know Matt Rule wanted in, in Waco. He just hasn't had it yet. Um, and, and Baylor is better built to go up to Manhattan and, and win a game in the rain, and it could be raining on Saturday with some thunderstorms. So traditionally, and even the last couple of years, Baylor would not be built 
to go win this game, but they've got a very good, powerful running game. The offensive line is the best Matt Rule's ever had. The defense has vastly improved, and I think Charlie Brewer's the better quarterback. So I'm going to take Baylor as an underdog on the road. Uh, this feels like a good bet for me. All right, um, something else that I try to do here is I try to guess the spreads before the spreads come out, so that way I just have an idea of what side I might want to be on. So as we get to Texas, West Virginia, I know Texas is banged up, and I know traveling to Morgantown is a pain. I understand all of that. But I'm telling you right now, I cannot in good faith pick West Virginia when the Mountaineers are about to play by far the best quarterback that they've seen in Sam Ellinger. I mean, who is the best quarterback West Virginia's faced? Maybe Matthew McKay at NC State or Kelly Bryant at Missouri? Uh, maybe one of those two guys, uh, Carter Stanley? Well, they're about to play a guy in Sam Ellinger who I know is going to be down pieces on both sides of the ball. But, man, they haven't seen a guy like this yet. They have not seen anything close to what Sam Ellinger brings to the table. And on top of that, West Virginia can't run the ball. And they're going up against a really good uh, front seven and a very good defense. So I know it might be a trap game week before OU. I'm not buying into it. They've had a week off. Tom Herman's got these guys focused. And I'm going to go with Texas minus 11. And part of the reason I mentioned what I just did, I guess the spread would have been Texas minus 13. So when I'm on the fence... I'll go with, hey, if the spread comes out in my favor, I'm going to roll with it. So Texas minus 11. So I've got Oklahoma State um, minus 10. I've also got TCU plus 3.5. Oklahoma minus 33. Baylor plus 1. And Texas minus 11. I'm Pete Mundo. We're heartlandcollegesports.com. Thanks for listening, guys. Once again, please leave that rating, review, subscribe, iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, however you get your podcasts. Uh, that helps us out enormously, and I'll send you the free koozie if you send a screenshot of that rating and review to Pete Mundo at heartlandcollegesports.com. That's M-U-N-D-O. You guys are awesome. Uh, once again, mybookie.ag, promo code BIG12, BIG12, for a 100% sign-up bonus. I'm placing my bets there as well. And uh, looking forward to talking to you guys on Sunday for our recap show. Yes, we'll be recapping all the action in the Big 12 in our Sunday podcast. Don't miss it. We'll talk to you guys soon. Take care.